Well, welcome back to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with Pastor, Author, and Teacher, Dr. Travis Tyler. I'm Zachariah Pugh, and I will be your host today. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we just appreciate uh, all of our listenership, um, everyone that checks out the podcast and shares it with other people. Um, we hope that we're a blessing to you, and uh, we hope that you're you're blessed by our podcast. So like I always try to remind everybody, not every episode, although I am good for beating a dead horse uh, periodically, um, I like to remind people that, you know, Travis is a, a pastor uh, of a church in East Tennessee, and um, I am just a, a lay person. I've never been a pastor. I've never worked for a church or anything like that. And that's why we kind of, we bring this dynamic um, that uh, you've got somebody who's been in the ministry for 20 years plus, and you got somebody like me who's been in church all my life. Uh, Travis and I both kind of grew up in church for sure, but um, kind of, Travis was a little late late to the show, but I was there the first Wednesday night after I was born. So um, all that being said, we try, we try to bring different perspectives. And this week we've got a, a, a whip dang doozy for you. We're going to talk about church conflict and uh, how, how to deal with it. Welcome, Travis. He, he is here. He has arrived. Here, I'm here. He was listening to my big dissertation there, but uh, very patiently. I appreciate that. You're going to get at this? We're not going to get in a fight on here, though, right? We, we, we kind of pa- I paused there because, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, we're kind of joking, but, you know, church church conflict is a, is a big thing. Um, we, we've talked about this before, Travis. The thing that cracks me up about church conflict, right? And it's almost like that's almost like a, you know, my, my job is a, every day is I'm a marketing director. And so like church conflict is almost like this marketed branded name, right? Why don't we talk about like gas station conflict or car wash conflict or gym membership conflict, or I had a bad burrito at Taco Bell conflict. Like we have conflict or traffic conflict. We have conflict everywhere. There's conflict everywhere and people don't go back to restaurants. They don't go back to certain schools, whatever you want to say. But for whatever reason, like church conflict is like this branded thing. And so, yeah, let's dive into it. Why is that? Why is it just a place where Satan has a foothold? Because it's our spirit. It's our, it's everything, you know, it's our eternity. Well, I think that there's several reasons for that. Um, One is there's a lot of pride that's usually involved with, with conflict. And that's why it has its own sort of category. But Mm. before we jump completely into this, um, let's, um, Let's, let's consider James 3.5 for just a moment, may we? Just a minute. Do it. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So sometimes little mm. things seemingly meant to be perhaps said tongue-in-cheek or innocently or maybe not so innocently, depending on the situation, can just ignite a church into flames and conflict. Uh, yeah, and social media has got a – social media texting. I always – my wife and I deal with this all the time. Also, you know, she may text me and I may be in the middle of a business, a meeting, or I'm stressed about something and I'll just send a text back. Whether I'm stressed or not, she can't hear the tone in my text, right? But however she's feeling in that moment is how she's going to perceive it. And so social media is a giant cesspool, right? Of people getting on there and giving their opinions and not having to face anybody. I'm going to be very honest with you. It is a, it's a tool. So, you know, you can take a hammer and you can build a, a homeless person a house with it and do a good thing or you can take a tool and bash somebody over the head with it mm-hmm. and 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 unfortunately when it comes to church conflict social media has done a lot of bashing and it's done a lot of help to the ministry too but it has certainly been used as a hammer multiple times um 
So conflict can leave a kind of scarred and charred black and landscape of a church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 50 churches uh, will be kind of marred and scarred by church conflict almost every day in the U.S. That's a lot of churches every day in, in wow. some kind of deep city conflict. 1,500 pastors a month, and I think this number is up since COVID happened, quit their job each month because of conflict, burnout, and moral failure. Um, 34% of pastors serve congregations that force their previous pastor to resign. And the seven, prim- the seven primary reasons forced for pastoral exits involve some sort of conflict. So it, it is a real thing and it is a, it is a major issue. And a lot of folks just would rather stay away from it and stay out of it, pull the ripcord, go somewhere else. But that's not always the best thing to do, depending on the situation. Do you feel like church conflict has gotten worse since COVID? Um, yes, absolutely. And, and then in, in the same thing, how has church conflict gotten worse? You've been in the ministry for 20 years. Social media wasn't really a thing when you started. It wasn't a thing at all when you started. I think MySpace was just getting started, which yeah. that dates me a little bit. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so how has social media changed um, all that? Well, it's it's caused people to do two things. One is to sort of um, we we've always been really bad in the church about what I call punching and running. So like, you know, you, you bring up an issue and you throw a punch and then you, instead of it being addressed, you run to the next thing. The thing with social media is now you can throw punches and you can have a large audience to watch. And you can also find an audience that probably was separated by geographic barriers and people who wouldn't normally connect can now connect. And they get in these like echo chambers yeah, and they're echoing back and uh, to one another. And you know, they, the, any sort of biblical authority or pastoral authority is lost in that event. And, you know, they, they move to a point and this is very mean, but it's true because it's an awful situation where only their opinion is true. Only their opinion matters. And that my brothers and sisters is very prideful. Yeah. I mean, it's the day of secular humanism, right? It's a uh, truth is what I make it out to be. And, yeah, it's and very much the to... time of the judges where every man yes. does what's right. Yeah, what was right in their own eyes. Absolutely. So we, you talked about a, a scarred and blackened landscape. And then James 3 is a great, that is a great picture of, of how something small can, can make, you know, a whole forest burn down. What are some of the sparks that trigger destructive conflict? So here's a few of those little sparks that I think James is talking about. First, I'm going to say, you know, innocent misunderstandings. You know, sometimes there's just people, people, instead of giving the benefit of the doubt in situations, automatically jump to worst case scenario and think, well, I'm upset with them. I'm angry with them because they didn't do this or they did that. And we've got to be careful that we don't quickly jump to um, in a misunderstanding. I had a dear brother in Kentucky that he would email people and they would not email him back for various reasons. And he was so good at avoiding the spark for conflict. He would say, I am so sorry you haven't been able to receive my email. Now I think he had a way to tell if the email was open from how he sent it. So he knew that they had opened it. He said, but I do need an answer on that. And I'm so glad we have to, we get to meet face to face to talk about it. Just such a gracious brother in that in that arena just sort of addresses the big elephant in the room. Mm. Uh, gossip or careless words. James sort of addresses that in the passage we just read. 
uh, gossip is just sharing information with or about people that may or may not be true. Sometimes you need to be careful about what you share about another person. Even if it is true, it may end up being damaging and causing conflict. Careless words may be, you know, an example of a brother recently told me a lady in the church had said something to another young lady who's, you know, in her teens, you got a little too much makeup or how she had applied her makeup. I'm not sure exactly which way it was, but really devastated this teenager. And uh, this woman, I guess, was known for being very abrasive in how she says things, the older woman that said it to her. And so that family, I think, ended up leaving the church over that. So just a sad situation. Um, pursuing uniformity rather than unity. This is addressed in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. We at the church want to be a people who are united, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. These are the things that make us unified, but we're not, we don't all have to wear blue shirts and khakis, right? I mean, it's like, we're not looking for uniformity. That's another thing that, you know, kind of scares me about the whole going back to the social media is, uh, a lot of folks who get these echo chambers, they're not looking for unity. They're looking for uniformity. You mm -hmm. must say what I say, do what I do. And if you're not with me, you're against me. Right. And that's very unhealthy. So um, competition over limited resources. Most churches don't have a, you know, bottomless pit of money, can, despite what everyone who calls into the church asking for it thinks. <laughs> you know, we have multiple phone calls every week, people wanting money for this or that. Uh, and so there's a limitation on resources. And so people get competitive over that and that causes conflict change, which is like saying shark at the beach in most Baptist churches, oh, any, no. any church, any change, church, shark, he will destroy us. Right. You know, so that's a, that's what that word is like a, a legitimate desire elevated to a sinful demand or idol. There are so many examples of this in the church. Um, one thing that's very simple that comes to my mind would be worship wars that hopefully we're coming out of that mess, but where people have elevated a form of worship as the function or the um, they, they take the practice and mistake it for the principle. So, you know, the only way we can worship God is if we're singing in King James English, or the only way we can worship God is if we've got a bass guitar and, a, and another guitar. So, you know, elevating those preferences too highly, uh, that's just one of many examples. And then finally, character or moral failure in leadership. We particularly see this in pastors. Uh, sadly, I have watched Many pastors fall in ministry. I had a list of like 10 pastors I loved and watched when I first got in ministry. And I think I've seen about six of the 10 have a moral failing of some kind that has landed them out of the ministry. Uh, it's sad that that's more commonplace than, than the other. Uh, these include pride, control, sense of entitlement, lack of accountability, resistance to receiving correction, a lack of self-awareness, sexual morality, abuse of power, financial mishandlings, poor work ethic, and a desire to be saved or served rather than to, than to serve others. So there's a lot of things that, that can cause division in churches. Um, and those are just the little sparks that are here and there. What are some of the, 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 the bigger gasoline on a fire? We all know, if, you know, a spark, you, a spark may not start a forest fire, but if you throw a gallon of gasoline on a burning fire, it's, get it. it's going to explode. It. So what are some of those things that, uh, that cause those raging infernos to begin? I, I would say four kind of jump out to me as, uh, as somebody that's been in the church for many in leadership for several years now, 
one that is just gasoline every time it's guaranteed to make whatever situation could potentially be bad or awkward, way more awkward or way more uh, unbearable is just worldly attitudes. So not taking the attitude of Christ, not putting others in front of yourself and not being charitable in judgments and just, it's me, it's I, I'm offended. You're going to have to make this right. You know, when you look at the world, I want you to think about this. When you look at the world, there's not a lot of forgiveness, particularly on like the left. You know, if, if you fall out of, t- of sorts with the left, prime example of this would be Paula Dean. You remember Paula Dean's show, that cooking show she had? Yeah. Everybody loved Paula Dean. Mm-hmm. And then she turned out used a inappropriate word to describe somebody that was on her staff. And it was classified as racist, which it was. She asked for forgiveness, but she got canceled. Yeah. And there was just, there was no forgiveness that was there. And when we take that attitude, that's not a Christ centered attitude. That's a worldly attitude tonight. And I think we're going to be doing an episode on forgiveness soon. But anyhow. Yeah. Um, reckless words or foolish silence, reckless words or foolish silence. So, you know, words that, you know, being, you know, Proverbs tells us in 12, 18, that the right word is like a gold apple set on a silver tray. Uh, it is, it is perfectly timed. It is just what is needed when it's needed. So I'm talking about the opposite here for gasoline saying the wrong thing at the wrong time when it is not needed, uh, or this is probably more what church members are guilty of foolish silence foolish silence is when somebody walks up to you and they're doing one of these sparks they're gossiping they're using careless words they're um they're you know fighting over resources and you don't say anything you keep your mouth shut until they're gone they think that because you have been quiet you agree with them but the whole time you didn't but you didn't have the guts to speak up and say i'm not in agreement um a stubborn desire to control a situation or other people in the mountains in particular, you know, we feel a lot of pressure to conform to the rest of the United States in a lot of areas that we probably never will, <laughs> you know, yeah. we have, we have certain ways here in the mountains that we do things and uh, the rest of the world doesn't do it that way. You know, we're a lot of generations live here. They've lived on their land for a lot of different generations. And so there's a desire, I think, to see things not change in church. And I think this kind of happens everywhere. Like change is inevitable in every in every facet. And so let's not get the change going here. And there's a stubbornness and there's a, you know, a, a, a criticism of any kind of change or anything that's new just because it's new. And then finally, just a deficiency in any leader's peacemaking skills. If they're not good at emotional intelligence, reading the situation, if they're not good at uh, helping uh, to kind of throw some water on, instead they just, every time they open their mouth, they throw more gasoline on it. Uh, you know, that that is definitely going to make it a lot worse. I think you could tag those four points into a good marriage as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which makes sense, right? Because the church is a picture absolutely. of that. Absolutely. For sure. Well, in a second, we're going to get to how do I be a peacemaker and how we do that. But before we get there, if you want to reach out to us, there are a couple of different ways you can do that. Our email is faithfullyentrusted at gmail.com. You can always text us your thoughts or your comments at 423-707-2504. Reach out to us, tell us what you think, and if we can pray for you, or if there's any topics that you'd like for Travis and I to discuss, we would love to know some of your feedback. Again, email faithfullyentrusted at gmail.com, or you can call us or text us at 423-707-2504. So, Church conflict is a tough thing. 
it happens. It's inevitable. It's going to be there. What are some peacemaking opportunities that we might have as churchgoers? And I think let's, before I get into this, I want to make one comment and that is be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, because people who keep the peace sometimes it gets worse when it does finally blow up. You know, they're not willing to be confrontational. They're not willing to talk about issues and deal with them. And so peacekeeping is sometimes not very helpful. All right. Um, First thing I would say is this, use fire for good. You know, uh, sometimes you need a good conflict in a church. I mean, that's how we ended up all not being Catholic, because there was a big fight in the church years ago about uh, what what should be done in the church and what shouldn't be done in the church. And uh, so I I think, uh, you know, and having access to the word. So some fights need to happen. Every crisis is a situation for good and advancement of the gospel. I think you need to maintain a strong character. Don't slack off. You know, I like to adopt the Billy Graham rules for that. You know, don't ride in cars or be alone with women that are not your wife or your family. Uh, you know, don't be around money, un, you know, without any kind of accountability. I have the same sort of measures for access to money here that everybody in the pew does. So I can't just walk in and clear out the church account. I got to go through the same channels as everybody else. Um, temper strength with humility, right? You know, we want to be a people who are humble and marked by that. We want to be the ones that are quick to say, forgive me, please. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for what I've done. Recognize the role of diversity in the church. Some people are just not like you and they just don't like the things you like. And that's okay. You know, as long as you're united in Christ in this faith, see that conflict as an opportunity and be skilled at relationships. You know, it's, it's, you got to invest, right? Relationships are like investments. You can't retire at 65 and think, well, I'm going to collect a big check and you had not put a single dollar in the whole time you've been working. You got to invest some time. You got to invest some, uh, you got to invest some resources. Sometimes you got to invest a little bit of teaching sometimes, you know, invest in people, uh, try to measure success by reconciliation, which is the goal. And then lead by example, you know, the example in the gospel. Jesus was not just a peacekeeper. He was a peacemaker, reconciling us to the Lord. Develop your own skills and then just try to embrace a church-wide vision of this. It can't just be one person trying to get it done. I think the biggest thing that, that, that I would take away from all this is that, and you kind of talked about it briefly, church conflict can be a bad thing, but sometimes it needs to be involved and then it needs to happen. The Reformation, for example, you talked about that wouldn't have happened without a little bit of church conflict and people standing up and then also not being a silent, you kind of talked about it, peacekeeper, peacemaking, make sure you stand uh, on what you believe and what's important to you. And don't just let somebody, you know, I I know a lot of people don't like conflict. There's a ton of people out there that don't like conflict, but sometimes you got to stand up. So let's, as we finish up on this, what are some biblical patterns for responding to conflict? Well, when I think about biblical patterns for responding to it, um, I, I would say glorifying God in the whole situation, getting the log out of your eye, gently restore those that need it, and then go and be reconciled. These are all Kent um, uh, Hovind out in, out in Montana came up with this, and it's a very good pattern. You can read more about these concepts in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 1, 11, 1. And then there's the seven A's of confession. So if you've done something or, 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 and then we, this could be, this could be for a lot of different things, right? Like this doesn't just oh, yeah. have to be for co- yeah. church conflict, but you have the address, everyone involved, uh, avoid if, but, and maybe uh, admit specifically, you know, attitude and actions, what, what has occurred, 
uh, acknowledge the hurt, express sorrow for hurting someone, accept the consequences, whatever they're going to be by making it right, what you, what you did wrong. Um, mm. And then after your behavior, change your attitudes and actions. And then of course, the most important thing is ask for forgiveness, apologize. I think a lot of people, something I've had to learn in my marriage, you know, it's one thing to apologize. Hey, I'm sorry. You know, my kids are great about, it. I'm sorry, but like really saying, Hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me for this thing that I did wrong to you and, uh, and just work it out. If, you know, one thing I've never thought about, I'm really glad we did this podcast because you forget sometimes that within the conflict, sometimes people are just, they just don't want to have conflict. So they just kind of keep their mouth shut. And it's like, these things can just explode into things that if people would just actually talk to each other and just be honest and say, Hey, Travis, I love you, but I just really don't feel like you're speaking kindly about that brother of ours, you know, that, mm -hmm. that you're talking about right now, or maybe you don't have a good perspective or let's go talk to him about this and see what he thinks. And I'll be a mediator for you. You know, like if, if people would just work together and, and hash things out, I have found that when people just face each other and talk, things actually get done. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the, the terribleness of social media is that you can just do every, you can do things from your basement and never, ever, ever have to face anybody. You could go, I could go on Grace's website or your Facebook page and just start hammering you. And I'm some guy in Nashville, Tennessee, that's maybe never even been to your church. And, yep. you know, I could get a whole thing started. So that's the the difficulty. So I would challenge everybody and we will probably do something on, on social media down the road. Um, be careful be careful with social media. So as we wrap this up four promises of forgiveness, that's kind of just what we didn't, you know, we were talking about the confession now forgiveness. I will not dwell on this incident. So after you have been offended, uh, I'm not going to dwell on the incident. I'm not going to bring this incident up again and use it against you. And I will not talk to other people about this incident. So just that's, that's really good. I think for, for everybody to kind of dwell on. Yeah, I agree. You know, you were talking about pastors a minute ago, and I like what um, Alfred um, Poyer wrote, The Peacemaking Pastor. He says on page nine of his book, Christ is the reason many enter the pastorate, but conflict is a the reason they leave. And I thought that's a really good quote, but that's not my little nugget for today. Yeah, you what's your nugget little, as we wrap up? Yeah, a little nugget today. Nugget, nugget of the day. <laughs> the nugget for the podcast today is Carl, comes from Carl Vetter's In 100 Days to a Healthier Church, page 18. And here's what he says. Even if the people in the church are getting along and having no fights or scandals, a church in neutral is making minimal contribution to Christ's mission on earth. Don't mistake the absence of conflict for the presence of God. I love it. That's really good stuff. Ooh. So I guess you got to have a fight every now and then, right? Well, it's like we said, I think sometimes I'm glad we, we addressed it because yeah, church conflict can be a tough thing, but sometimes if you you know, sit on your hands and don't say anything, that conflict can turn into something else. And sometimes we need Christians who are godly men and women to stand up and kind of speak the truth. Awesome. Really, really good stuff. For Dr. Travis Tyler, I'm Zachariah Pugh. Thank you for joining us. As we open up God's word to find out how Christ has faithfully entrusted us with his word and his doctrine. We just really appreciate your listenership. Share our podcast. You can listen to our podcast wherever podcasts are listened to, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you want to listen, it's there. And so share our podcast. We will see you next time on Faithfully Entrusted. Have a great day.